You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. You know, we're at the uh, start of a new year, so congratulations, you made it through the gauntlet of 2021. Um, there were wonderful times, and then there were just flaming hoops of difficulty to jump through, right? We all had some of those. Um, and, you know, if you're anything like me, at the beginning of every year, you're thinking of, there's, there's self-reflection going on. There's introspection going on. And that's good because we, we want to do things better in the coming year. We're thinking of ways to improve. And, and it's good. These seasons are good unless they're not. And, <laughs> and they're not good when we get into condemnation, accusation of, our, of ourselves, um, there, or re-inviting shame, the power of shame back into our lives. Because the, you guys know, Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, amen? And we can rest assured because of the verse Philippians 1, 6, that he who started this good work in us will be faithful to carry it to completion. So can we all just inhale and exhale? Lord, we welcome your light an easy yoke this year. And we take our, our place, our rightful place, in just partnering with you, Holy Spirit, to listen to your conviction and respond. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that is, it is your power that changes us. And we just say yes, Lord. Say yes, we thank you for all of the moments of encouragement and we thank you for all of the moments of rebuke. Lord, we, we hold tight to that verse from Proverbs that says that a, a wise man loves rebuke and gets wiser. Lord, thank you for those moments that you've corrected and steered us. And we agree with the psalmist David in his last psalm when he said, it is your gentleness that makes me great. And we agree with Paul from the book of Romans when he wrote that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. You are a good shepherd, Lord. And we welcome even more of your guidance and your voice in our lives. Amen. Well, this isn't an accusation, but I'm sure a lot of you will be exercising more. <laughs> I'm not going to lock eyes with anyone in this moment, but um, <laughs> I'm going to be exercising more. We're going to be probably detoxing and drinking green juices, and maybe we're, we've got like resolutions to read scripture more and eat of Jesus more. Amen. Fasting, yeah, actually, I'm glad you said that. You're like prophetic. That's exactly where I was going. Ashley and I are joining Upper Room, of course, in the 21-day uh, fast. Now, I want to invite you guys into that fast with us, uh, and you can pray about how radical you get to be in how uh, we worship the Lord in these first 21 days. But I want to invite you into the fast um, you know, fasting has really blessed my life, and I don't. This isn't a message on fasting, but I just want to say there are so many benefits, and and He's worthy, and and it's one of the the amazing byproducts of fasting is it's kind of like a clean slate. Like you do detox, it's a it's like a cleansing effect. You lose weight, and. Uh, <laughs> 
I just want to warn you, I'll probably be cranky for about a week, but don't worry, that's just weakness leaving the body. Now, I know that when I go to the gym tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., that's a brag, um, (laughs) I know that when I go to the gym tomorrow, it might not be 6 a.m., but when I do go, it's going to be packed, right? Anybody in here go to the gym regularly kind of throughout the year and then you go in January and you're like waiting for like the machine to be empty because like people are lined up working out this one month out of the year? Well, we <laughs> I know that it's going to be packed because people are doing that thing where like they are resolved to, to better themselves. They, they're losing weight and starting with a clean slate. But there's, there's a discipline in the Christian life that it's, it's like exercise, but it, it transcends it. There's, and it's, even, it's hard to call it just a discipline. It's almost like a degradation to call it a discipline because it's more of like a core tenet of who we are. And it's, and it's not just losing weight and starting a clean slate physically. It's losing weights from our soul and starting a clean slate. And this discipline or exercise or core tenet of who we are It's called forgiveness. It's forgiving others. We forgive debts. We forgive wrongs. We forgive harsh words. We forgive betrayals. We forgive things big and small. Why do we do it? Because we know, right? We know that we've been forgiven of so much more. Jesus says it. Paul says it, Peter, James, John, nearly every New Testament writer, they all have these staggeringly mind-blowing things to say about mercy and forgiveness. You know, when, when the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, ah, how many times am I supposed to forgive a jerk, you know, in my life? Because you know they're probably, they probably have someone in mind, right? Like, do I forgive him? Do I let him off the hook? Or do I make him pay this time so he learns his lesson? And Jesus, like, and they're like, am I supposed to forgive him seven times? And Jesus is like, no, how about 70 times seven? And he's not giving them like a formula. He's not saying like 490 times math. He is saying, <laughs> never stop forgiving them. Always let them off the hook. Always be merciful. Peter and James actually, they quote God in the exact same way in their books when they say mercy triumphs over judgment. It's amazing how these two men said it verbatim, word for word, almost as if they heard it, you know, behind the scenes from Jesus himself. So just like exercise, forgiveness is hard at first, but also just like exercise, forgiveness becomes addicting. You get addicted to being the merciful, to feeling God's pleasure as you let and forgive debts big and small, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. It's kind of the, the, the trajectory of the Christian life is that these things of mercy and grace and joy just kind of start to take over. It's important to do, even though it's really contrary to our programming by society, right? It's contrary to our flesh also, but the alternative is much worse. I think we've all experienced the alternative of not forgiving someone. We get weighed down. And probably the biggest obstacle to keeping our love from growing cold is being wronged by people over 
and over, year after year, right? There's that verse that says, uh, because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Well, injustices or lawbreakers or thieves, you know, do things against us. And it is probably, like I said, the biggest obstacle to keeping our love burning to the end of our days, right? I had a, a spiritual mentor who said, as you grow old, you either get better or bitter. A while ago, um, I needed to run to Walmart <clears throat> to buy a box of diapers. Can I get a bottle of water? I needed to run to Walmart to buy a box of diapers for our, our baby son, Shiloh, and, um, which meant I had to go to the big Walmart, which meant that I had to get on the freeway. And I hate having to go to the big Walmart and get on the freeway because this area of 635 is usually just, just packed. And so um, I'm, I'm going down the access road and I'm in the left lane, and there's a car in front of me, and there's a bunch of space behind me. I'm painting a picture for you, driving in the left hand, and I'm approaching the entrance ramp onto 635, right? And I look into my rearview mirror, and I see this truck driving recklessly. He, like, cuts a guy off who has to swerve. He's flying down this access road in the right lane, coming up fast, and I know what he's going to do. His like, trajectory, I can tell he's going to thread the needle and cut right in front of me. Thank you so much. And so I want to take a poll. Who in here thinks your pastor slowed down and let him in? <laughs> hey, hey, there's a couple of you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Wow, there's three people who are wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, I... I did what any silly, immature, red-blooded man might do in that moment, and I, and I sped up, and I, I took away that space that he had to cut me off, because there's plenty of space behind me, praise God, and <clears throat> bless you. <laughs> well, <clears throat> he didn't like that, so he escalated the situation. I'm looking at Israel because he's so good at letting people cut him off. <laughs> he's, he's my hero. He, he, I'm going to quote him. A few weeks ago, he said that he drives around so much for work that, that when people cut him off, he just says, nice move, man. I'm like, Woo. pray for me. Pray for me, Israel. <laughs> Thank you. I received. So, um, yeah, I don't let him in. And he accelerates escalates the situation and continues barreling down the right-hand lane. And I, I know what he's going to do. He, he cuts off the car in front of me and swings several lanes all the way through like the, that little you know, triangle you're not supposed to drive over onto the entrance ramp. And the car that was in front of me, he wasn't actually getting on the freeway, so the car in front of me drives off on the right. And now I'm on the entrance ramp behind this guy who slams on his brakes not just a brake check, mind you. He comes to a complete stop. And I'm thinking, well, this is different. <laughs> and I'm pretty calm. I don't feel like fear or, or compromised in the, in the moment. And the guy lets me know his displeasure of me with a particular finger that is universally known to let people know that you're displeased with them. And so... <laughs> And, and I just wait there. There's nothing I can do. And then he just speeds off. 
and I go about my day. But I notice that I'm now carrying a weight. My, my blood is boiling, and I'm thinking, ooh, it'd be great to see him get pulled over by a cop right now or blow a tire, right? Your pastor. <laughs> and, and, and it goes on for about 30 seconds before I do the thing that my best friend Jesus trained me to do. I began to bless him. Verbally, out loud, I began to pray for him and call down blessings from heaven that he would have an awesome life and win the lottery. And, you know, just bless that man, Lord. Don't let, I don't, don't let this offense stand against him. Don't count it against him. I let him off the hook. And that weight whew, lifted almost instantly. Anybody else been there in that moment where you're like, you're thinking, whoo, I wish that he would get the swift arm of justice. And then you're like, no, 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 no. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I let him off the hook, God. Bless that man. It felt almost as if I had gotten out of a jail in my soul in that moment. So get this. The very next time I use that same entrance ramp to get on the 635, uh, this time there's no drama getting on the freeway, but as I get on the freeway, I see three trucks speeding by and they're driving so reckless. They're like weaving in and out of traffic, cutting each other off. And no joke, the truck in front, this guy hangs out of the passenger window and starts flinging 12 by 12 tiles like Frisbees at the trucks behind him. And they're shattering on the freeway at 90 miles an hour and sending shards at cars. And I'm like, oh, holy spirit. And I'm like moving to the side of the road and slowing down because I don't want to get you know, my car damaged by these ceramic tiles exploding everywhere. And it is got, it twas Mad Max. <laughs> Dirty Dallas edition. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on here? And I, because... You know, you might go years and years and years or several years or a while before you see something to that level of craziness. But now it's like two, almost two days in a row, two times I've gotten on this entrance ramp in a row. I'm not going to tell you where it is. I don't want my property value to go down. Um, <laughs> I felt like God was showing me in this moment He's given me a visual of the difference between forgiving and feeding offense. See, I forgave that man, even though at first it was hard. It was contrary to my flesh, and, and I wished one bad thing against him before I began to shower blessings. <laughs> but I, I forgave him. I let him off the hook. If I wouldn't have forgiven him, it could have turned into a scenario like I was watching the very next day, where this guy's... You know, trying, they're trying to kill each other over, over road rage. At one point, Paul declares this thing. He, he decides to do something really powerful to protect his own soul's health, to protect and, and nourish his inner world. And he says this, that um, it's, it's Philippians 3.13, forget what lies beyond, behind and press on to what is ahead. Forget what lies behind and press on towards what ahead. That, that, what's ahead? That, that's a really good verse for the beginning of the year, right? 
There's a lot of things from 2021 that we can um, uh, ruminate on and improve on, but there are also a lot of things that we just get to hit the forget button and press on towards what's ahead, right? Amen? So Paul, at this point, he's obviously, like when he writes this, he's been through a lot already. He's seen a lot of victories, a lot of hardships. He's devoted his life to the one who saved him on the road to Damascus. And like us, he's had a lot of good days. He's had a lot of bad days. He's had moments of confusion and doubt. He's had times when people have betrayed him. People who pretended to be friends got in close to him just so that they could betray him. And I believe that when Paul is writing this, he's already gone through just about everything that the world could throw at a minister. I know this because just a couple verses later, he starts saying that he is weeping as he writes that there are many who live as enemies of the cross who are headed towards destruction. He's, he's lived in danger from these false brothers. And he, while he's writing it, he says that he's weeping, which means that he's not relishing their destruction. He's not championing their destruction. He's not saying they're getting their up and comings, their should have, what, they, what they deserve. He's weeping over the prospect of their potential destruction because they were acting as his enemies. Jesus knows a lot about what that's like, right? Jesus actually tells us to to love our enemies. This is a unique aspect. It's it's unique to Christianity. You go to any culture or, or people group and tell them that the best thing for them to do is forgive their enemy, they're going to look at you like you have three eyes. Like, what are you talking about? No, no, no. If I'll just get walked all over, if I forget, they, they deserve to be treated like they treated me or worse. That's, that's what the whole world thinks, right? But Jesus, he doesn't just say to forgive your friends who hurt you. He says to love your enemies, forgive them, bless them, don't curse them. It's very countercultural. See, I think that one of the reasons we don't know how to forgive is because we're afraid that if we do forgive, if we do love our enemies, if we do forgive our friends, then we'll lose our power. We'll lose something, the higher ground, or it'll be perceived as as weakness. Last year, I, I got mad at people. Did you know that? Anybody else in here get mad at people? Y'all are lying. Put your hand up if you got mad at someone last year. There we go. Leave me up here with my soul hanging out. <laughs> last year I got mad at people and people got mad at me. I'm sure that there are people who are mad at me right now. Don't raise your hand for that one. That would be that would get <laughs> I don't want to be a pastor anymore. Um, <clears throat> and if I become aware that an acquaintance or a friend is angry with me or has, he's offended at me, what do I do? Or how about this, what do I do if I become aware that I'm angry? Because I'm, I'm a dude, sometimes I'm completely detached from my emotions. It takes you know, two weeks and my wife to let me know that I'm angry or feeling anything. And, 
And so what do I do if I become aware that I'm offended at someone? What do I do? Well, Jesus tells us adamantly to address these things. And in, in combining two different verses on forgiveness, I would say that this is what's true from Scripture. And we'll get into those verses in a minute. Whoever realizes that there is a break in the relationship first is responsible to attempt to start the reconciliation. Whoever realizes it first. And I'm using Matthew 5 and Matthew 18 for this. Matthew 5 is that famous verse, I think it's 521. Um, If you are at the altar offering your gift and there remember or realize that your brother has something against you, first leave leave your gift at the altar and first go be reconciled to your brother and then come back and worship. This is crazy, right? God loves our worship. But he's actually saying that I prefer peace and reconciliation among my children over their worship of me. So like, it would be as if we come here this morning and we're singing, you are good, you are good, and your love endures, you are good. And God's like, I know I'm good. First go fix that situation with your friend. <laughs> right? That's what it says. I mean, you don't have to blame me, blame Jesus. It's in Matthew 5. And it's also in Matthew 6, which says like, it it's almost as if if you're not able to extend mercy to someone, then you will miss out on the mercies of God in your own life. That's Matthew 6.15. And then Matthew 18, so Matthew 5 says, if you realize your brother has something against you, you go to them. And Matthew 18 says that if you have something against your brother, so if you've been hurt or wronged by your brother, you go to them and try to make them aware of how they've hurt you and try to be reconciled. There's a process to trying to reconcile that relationship. And Matthew 18 also applies to um, when someone is caught in sin, when someone, you know, church discipline. It's a, it's a big chapter on, on forgiveness. There's another um, incredible parable in Matthew 18 also where it's the, the servant who goes to his master and the servant has this enormous debt. Let's just call it a million bucks. There's no way this servant is gonna pay it back and probably the only way he got this million dollar debt is by like extorting like stealing from his master. And, and the master realizes it, calls him in, calls him to account. And the guy falls down on his knees and says, have mercy on me until I can repay every penny. But the guy has no ability. There's no way this servant is gonna be able to pay back this enormous debt. So the master who has an abundance of resources from within says, I forgive you of this debt. And then that servant goes out and finds a buddy who has a small debt against him. Let's say, you know, he stole a thousand bucks or like he's decided not to pay back several hundred dollars. So the the original servant that was forgiven of a huge debt goes to his buddy who owes him a thousand bucks and says, pay me every penny you owe. And the guy says, he actually says the exact same words, have mercy on me. Allow me to repay, you know, what I owe you. And the first servant says, no. You're going to jail until you pay back everything you owe. The master hears of this situation and he's grieved because he forgave such a huge debt 
of that first servant and calls him in and says, I forgave you of a million bucks and you couldn't forgive him of a thousand? You can forgive him of $500? You put him in a prison where he's gonna be tormented and away from his family? It's your turn to go to the place that you tried to send him. And that original servant ends up going to prison. In other words, he, some of his freedoms are removed. He's no longer living in freedom. And it says that there are tormentors. Now, the way that I would relate this to our lives, and I'm not saying that we're gonna to go to a physical prison. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that we're gonna get physically tormented, but I am saying that our ability to live with freedom in our souls will be limited. We will be in a spiritual type of jail where we will be tormented by regret, by shame. When we don't extend mercy, flow, the flow of mercy is blocked in our lives. It's right there in the Bible, guys. So Paul's resolution in Philippians 3 to forget the past and move on to the future directly relates to those next few verses. It directly relates to forgiveness, and it's, it's so important to us right now. If you can imagine that your soul is like a, a traveler on a long journey, you know, this long walk through life, and, and any time you know, someone has hurt you, betrayed you, offended you, uh, there's an opportunity to, to pick up like a, f- a five pound rock that represents that offense. It's like a, a memorial stone of that rock and, and your soul has a backpack and you put that five pound rock in your backpack and you move on, you're five pounds heavier. Several months go by, someone else hurts you, offends you and you, you haven't been taught how to let people off the hook. Or maybe, you, maybe we haven't realized what kind of mercy has been extended to us. And so we choose not to extend mercy. We pick up that five pound rock and it's our memorial. It's the thing that we get to hold on to. You know, we, we own this offense and we put it in our backpack. Now we're at 10 pounds. And again and again, rock after rock, you're getting five pound rock, three pound rock as you're, as you're walking through life because you don't have the, you haven't been equipped or realized how important it is just to drop those things. I heard someone say, and you guys have probably heard this, bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. So now you're the one who's weighed down by all of these offenses that are against you. And what do you do? Like you're, now you're like crawling through this walk of life with this you know, 80 pound backpack. And what do you do when you can't crawl any further? Is maybe you still, maybe I still haven't found out what mercy is. And so I find a wheelbarrow and I sling that backpack into that wheelbarrow. And that wheelbarrow is called coping mechanisms, addictions. Because now you, you realize you can't carry by yourself all this weight. And so you're turning to other things to try to help you numb the pain. It could be bitterness or any other kind of addiction. And so now you've got this wheelbarrow, but you know what? People are going to offend you again. People are going to hurt you again. And you're walking through life with this wheelbarrow that's weighted down now and someone hurts you. You throw that five pound stone in your backpack again. And there has to come a time 
I don't want this to happen to any of us, where we come to the point where we are not moving anymore because of unforgiveness and bitterness. I want us to realize today that we can dump all those stones of accusation at the feet of Jesus. So what does it look like when we forgive? Alexis, come on up here. Okay, let's, let's say Alexis has hurt me. He's offended me. He's betrayed me. You cut me real deep, Shrek. You know? <laughs> he's, done, he's done something. And he, he comes to me and asks for forgiveness, or we're trying to reconcile the relationship. And I say, I say to Alexis, Alexis, man, what you did it really hurt me. Like, I'm, I'm still angry, but I think that, you know, justice would be done if you could just pay me $1,000 right now. I would let you off the hook. We'd call it good. <laughs> Is that forgiveness? What's that called? Restitution, right. So I'm not letting him off the hook. I'm making him pay his way. And really, like, I don't, I don't love him anymore. Our relationship isn't any better. I'm just a thousand bucks richer. It's probably cursed money. So anyway, I, um, <laughs> that's the kind of wealth that rots. Um, <laughs> blackmail, extortion. Um, so anyway, so I don't go the restitution route. Let's say, uh, Alexis, man, what you did, it hurt me so much, but... You know, I, I feel like I could get all the weight off my chest and the cosmic scales of justice would come back to balance if you just let me punch you in the face. <laughs> Is that forgiveness? No, what's that called? Retribution. And so we have restitution and retribution. Okay, so here's, here's the third option. It's not option one or option two. Let's say Alexis comes to me. We're trying to make the situation right, and I say... Alexis, man, I need you to know like what you did. It really, it really did hurt me, but I think it hurt me the most because I so value our connection and I was afraid that I wouldn't have you as a friend again. And I want you to know from the, the, the deepest place in my heart, I just let you go. I let it, it's, I'm gonna treat it like it never happened. I just wanna be friends. Let's just clean the slate and start over, man. We good? Mm-hmm. And we'd probably hug it out, right, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Alexis. <laughs> so what I did in that moment, it, it wasn't restitution. It wasn't retribution. It was forgiveness. It was the ministry of reconciliation. And it's how Jesus reconciled us, not just to each other, but to God. Could you imagine with me if Jesus stood in front of you and you've wronged him in in some way, would Jesus demand that you pay him something in order to earn his forgiveness? Would he? No. Or if you stood before Jesus and he's like, uh, this is gonna cost you physical pain in order for me to let you off the hook. Could you imagine, son of God, our best friend, our big brother, saying that to us. No, not at all. He doesn't deal in restitution and retribution. He deals in pardon. 
He's letting me off the hook. He's let you off the hook. You and I, we were the first servant who went before our master and we said, there's no way I could ever repay. There's no way I could ever undo. There is no way I could ever turn back time and unwind and undo the things that I've, I, I, would, I have no way to repay, have mercy. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Wiped clean. Now go and forgive as you've been forgiven. We've been called to forgive and extend mercy the way that God has forgiven us, which means that we don't get to demand restitution or retribution. We just get to let people off the hook. See, I used to think that I, I can forgive you because I think God's gonna deal with you. Right? We've all thought that. Yeah, I'll let you off the hook because God's got you. You're gonna get your up and comings. <laughs> Is that forgiveness? No. Real forgiveness is praying for our enemy to be blessed or like blessing our enemy, praying that they don't face the consequences of what they did to me. This is what Stephen, our first martyr, did, right? He's being stoned to death. Wrongly, of course. He's just surrounded by that, that gang of jackals and accusation. They've got their stones in their hands and the stones start flying and Stephen starts dying. And as he's being pummeled, he's, he's praying for his murderers. He's saying, forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. You guys know that when those guys stood before God on judgment day, they may have had a, a list of bad deeds a mile long, but you wouldn't find on that list killing Stephen. Stephen said, don't hold it against them. You know who he sounds like? Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So the very people who murdered Jesus or conspired against Jesus, the connivers and killers, the religious, angry, zealous Pharisees, Sadducees, high, like the priests, the leaders of the day, the, the Romans, the, he's looking at the very people. He's looking at humanity, so to speak, and saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That means that when the murderers of Jesus breathed their last breath and stood before God, they may have had a list of bad deeds a mile long, but you wouldn't find killing Jesus on it. Jesus wouldn't let his blood speak a word against them. That's who we are. There's no better place than the cross to look at what forgiveness really looks like. You know, the, the name Mary means, it's Mara, it means bitterness. And the name John means God is gracious. When Jesus looked down on the cross, there were three Marys and one John which means that as he's dying and smelling Mary's perfume on his skin, he's looking at bitterness, bitterness, bitterness. God is gracious. It's 
the people that showed up for him prophesy in that moment what he's facing and what he's doing. He's facing down the bitterness of humanity and pouring out the grace of God. So taking up our cross doesn't mean that we deny ourselves of all the pleasures of this life. It means that we deny ourselves of the claims and the the demands of the false systems of justice created by our fallen, darkened mind. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, but I say to you something so much better. Taking up our cross doesn't mean that we're continually bearing and demonstrating the wrath of God, right? It means that we are continually demonstrating what laid down love and mercy looks like, right? When people hurt us, we can say like Jesus, they're just deceived. They don't know what they're doing because really they are. Whenever you've hurt someone, you've been tricked. You've been deceived into acting contrary to the design of your maker. That's why Jesus said they don't know what they're doing. Or when he looked at his disciples, when his disciples wanted to be murderous racists, he said, you don't know what spirit you're of. I think that for me, like what's more amazing than Jesus forgiving humanity is Jesus forgiving Peter, right? You know, he... He's forgiving people that hurt him that are complete strangers or just been tricked and bamboozled, but he's thinking about Peter who's betrayed him, his best friend, who deserted him, left him. And I think that that's the real test for us. It's, it's easy to forgive complete strangers or like Israel, you know, forgive people who cut us off on the road, but what if your closest friend betrays you? What if your closest friend starts acting like your enemy? What then? That's the biggest test. And I believe that if we are acting like Jesus, when he says love your enemies, it's implied that we'll have them, right? Right? So if we're living like Jesus, we'll have enemies. You might even say, if you have no one who's against you and no enemies, are you really embodying the message of radical love that Jesus demonstrated? Because no servant is greater than his master. If they treated me this way, they're going to treat you that way. When when Jesus was resurrected, he's in John 20, he enters the room with his disciples and um, he breathes on them. (sighs) Receive now the Holy Spirit. Then what does he say? Whatever sins you forgive will be forgiven. Now catch the gravity of this moment. Because what he says is, as the Father sent me, so now am I sending you. Any sins you forgive will be forgiven. So the gravity of this moment is that Jesus is telling us how he was sent to the world. Before the incarnation, he's standing before the Father. The Father with a big smile on his face goes, I'm sending you to go forgive them, son. Can I have the band come up? During pre-service prayer, I I told uh, our our band and leaders that um, we'd be preaching on on mercy and forgiveness. And um, as we prayed, I I had a vision and... 
You know, in Monopoly, the get out of free jail card, in the vision, I saw a get out of jail free card being handed down. And I believe that's available to anyone in the room. And what I mean by that is that maybe through unforgiveness, we don't know that we've put ourselves in a jail. Maybe through, through bitterness, we have stepped out of the merciful flow of God's empowering grace in our lives. And there's a moment right now, at the beginning of this year, we're gonna start clean slate and lose the weight in our souls. We're gonna get that get out of jail free card together. And this is really simple, but it's really profound. I've had to do this many times in my own life. We're gonna either picture or say out loud names of people that just come to our mind. Maybe you've, maybe you've been in a process of just letting them go. Maybe you're still in pain from being wrong, but you really want to bless them or you want to want to forgive them. Those are the people that we're gonna let off the hook today, okay? So just in the quietness, your spirit and your mind's eye, just allow the Holy Spirit to come in with this giant flashlight of truth. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes to see the places that we've been deceived, see the places where we drank bitterness, show us people right now that we've chosen in our ignorance and anger to not forgive. Would you show us right now, Lord? And now while you're thinking and naming people, you can say them out loud or say them silently. I'm just going to list off some people who may have hurt you to maybe this will help. We forgive political leaders in the party that we don't agree with. We forgive, I forgive church leaders who've hurt me. I, f I forgive family members who've hurt me. I forgive, maybe, you're, maybe you need to forgive a spouse or an ex-spouse. Woo, I felt that. We forgive ex-wives, we forgive husbands forgive the abuser Lord we relinquish our thought that we have a right to hold on to that offense against that person that abused us or hurt us we forgive our friends we forgive that buddy, we forgive that girl, we forgive them, we forgive that boyfriend, that girlfriend, we forgive them, we forgive Jesus. Jesus, we let them off the hook. Right now, we wanna forget what's behind and press on towards what, what is ahead without the five pound weights of unforgiveness in our soul's backpack. We just want to drop them right now. All those rocks of accusation, just like, just like the rocks fell from the accuser's hands in John 8.
exclamation point on this moment. You're welcome to get to your knees. You're welcome to come up here. We're going to spend just another five minutes just letting the Lord wash over us. You're welcome to come forward at the altar. You're welcome to kneel where you are. Just let people off the hook right now, Lord. one other person we got to forgive it's yourself let's do a just repeat after me this is a simple prayer father based on your forgiveness of me I choose to forgive myself. Break the power of condemnation. Break the power of shame. Break the the power of self-sabotage. And let your mercies just flow, Lord. Let's feel your affection, your approval, your smile. Let us grab that get out of jail free card and run weightless into this new year. We bless our enemies. We bless those who hurt us. We give back to them what is theirs. We take back what is ours. We break soul ties in Jesus' name. We just let it all go. We want to run with you this year, free from the offenses of the past. In Jesus' name, amen.